Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. of Gen Z consumers seek and find their financial advice from TikTok per Veracast, which is wild, right? So I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying there's not good advice on those platforms. Like I just, I mean, three days ago, I wouldn't fucking rip some shit on some guy on Instagram for like saying that, you know, his thing was like, I'm convinced the stock market's a terrible place to invest. Before you invest in the stock market, you should buy five houses. Do you know how much money it would take for you to get five houses or how much debt you would have to incur to service and how much harder it is to be a real estate investor than it is to go put money into an ETF? What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A, my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What's up, y'all? We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your march to that million-dollar milestone and, of course, well beyond that. Mm. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you are new here. We are downloaded in 151 countries worldwide. What's up, everybody worldwide? There's only 195 sovereign countries as of 2022. So we're hitting almost that is that is my, that is my goal, baby. I want to get in all of them. 75. That being said, we would not yeah. be able to do what we do without you, all of our millionaire mindcast family. Thank and of you. course, don't forget to check out all the great stuff that we got available for you guys over at millionairemindcast.com. Take advantage of your free financial x-ray from Ryan and his amazing team. For those that don't know what the financial x-ray is, drop it. We will go through your investment portfolio or your insurance policy and kind of tell you what's going on with that. We'll kind of dig through it for fees, dig through it for features, make sure that it's set up the proper way and make sure that it's done in the way that's in your best interest. If you don't have an investment account and you're serious about setting up an investment account, we'll also do that for you. Beautiful. But the main thing that it does is it kind of just shows you what you're doing and what you could potentially do better. Yeah, and most most wealth advisors, groups, financial organizations just aren't going to give this type of value and these type of resources away for free. Ryan and his amazing team do that. So if you do want to take advantage of that, 
Just text the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555. Yep. And of course, for all my accredited investors that want to get on my deals list and see what syndication and or investment opportunities I put out to my list, my community, you can text the word deals to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. We got a great show for you guys today. A lot has transpired since we dug in last week. Mm -hmm. We planted the flag that we are back, baby, in bull market territory. However, is the market head faking us? Did we speak too soon? We've got some talking about the bull market rally in U.S. stocks is about to run out of steam. We're going to get Mr. Breedwell's take on that. We've got some updates with housing starts and what is going on in the real estate market. Are we going to see prices continue to drop, stabilize, or is there data that's supporting housing values being above where they started in 2023? We got more data to dig in today. Before we dive in, let's start with some news, some current events before we dig in on stocks and real estate updates. As of today, we have Mr. Biden, not your favorite Biden, Mm -hmm. but the young fella, Hunter Biden, who is essentially pleading guilty to tax evasion and some gun charges. And of course, obviously, there's all of the drama around his laptop having, quote unquote, unsecured documents that could be of risk to the United States. I wonder who they are going after and trying to give 100 years in prison. Mr. Trump. That is completely opposite in terms of political uh, enemies and opposition. They want to throw the book at him, but I think it's hilarious that the Department of Justice wants to essentially give him a plea deal that keeps him out of jail. Yep. And then I was going through and there was uh, going down the rabbit hole today on this and it was very interesting to see how many rappers, how many celebrities, how many people have literally been given jail time for tax evasion. But if you're the president's son and you have a gun and you have a gun and you're doing all the things that he was caught doing and there's actual proof of it, but they're hiding it because the whistleblower on this whole thing about the Biden family and all the money that they received. At first, it started off as kind of like that $5 million mark. Now they're talking about upwards of potentially $30 million. That dude. I thought it was $50 million, yeah. Just randomly, this whistleblower oh, yeah. died mysteriously. Um, so he must be taking a, play, a page out of the, the Clinton playbook. But smack them off and whack them off. Very interesting times that we live in today when uh, it just shows another example of rules for the not for me and how they are really going about and against anyone and everyone that does not fall in line with their agenda. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because you hear like people on the left talk so much about Trump and like you never hear them talk about like anything that's happened to the Bidens, anything, anything about people oh, no. just randomly dying in the case. Like zero coverage. It's kind of, it's really weird. And I don't even mean coverage. I just mean like people that support the left. Yeah. You don't really see them ever talk about that. They just are so, it's really a hyper obsession with Donald Trump. Yeah. And I agree with or really the just... fact that he's not like a great person. We've already talked about that a yep. bunch. Yeah, for sure. But like, it's a hyper obsession 
and and like i'm not i'm not recognizing he's a great person but can we minus that last civil case every other thing that was brought against him that was serious um it was found to be wrong or false and some falsified the, yeah some of the people are got into their own court cases for not being in uh not being forthcoming on yeah. that so i just Again, it's it's weird that people are so hyper obsessed with Donald Trump being uh, like wrong or in jail or whatever when we have clear and uh, like concise evidence that the current administration's son is is doing that. Can you imagine if it was Donald Trump Jr.? Oh, if it was reverse. Oh my gosh. Ooh, that's all be, that would be on TV. It would be and he would be getting breaking news. Judge Donald Trump Jr. is he and it's just like it's like man, it's so clear. Yeah, I don't I don't really care for I don't want either side, but no. it to me it's it's just gotten more and more clear and blatant that the institutions that are supposed to be nonpartisan and are supposed to be serving the American people are actually being weaponized against the American people. Yeah, now no, that don't fall in line with what it is that those institutions and or agenda may be supporting. And I don't want the opposite to be true. I don't want there to be a Republican in office and it to be no like way. this. But like I would say, you know, if we get a Republican in office, I would be happy to see the Clintons prosecuted and the Bidens prosecuted mm. and anybody else prosecuted that's been clearly partisan and breaking the law. It would be there a just beautiful day if that were to happen. Difference of opinions are fine. That causes debate. Yep. And that's healthy. But it doesn't need to be. It's just it's exhaustive at this point. It's been exhausting me since 2018. And it's just exhaustive at this point. How, how well, you better strap in, crazy boy, because 2024 is about to be wild. I know it's election year. <laughs> Gosh. More and more people are voting with their dollars. Perfect example huh. of the boycott on Budweiser. And Bud Light, specifically Modelo Especial, we drank a few of those in Mexico, Maybe became the most few. sold beer in the entire world and in the U.S. specifically in May, pushing Bud Light out of the number one spot of which it's held for decades as Anheuser-Busch struggles to overcome widespread boycotts and controversy stemming from ties with the transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney and... You're seeing more and more people now. I love that we actually, in the world of technology now, have the ability to do enough research to know who owns the companies that we buy from, where they source their products, how they go about creating them, how they go about selling them. There's really a lot more transparency in the world of business and yep. finance. Yep. And more and more people. Target was a perfect example. You're seeing more and more people that are getting tired of going, hey, if, if you're gay or if you're transgender, you want to live That's your life fine. this way, do your thing, man. Yeah. But don't shove it down my throat yeah. and act like 99% of America lives their life this way and or subscribes to these ideologies. And then to just take it one step further, anybody that's getting upset about... Anyone that's getting upset about someone fighting back against having gender ideology and or educational sex conversations with kids has that's a major issue for me. Like yeah, if you're one of those people, man, like there's something wrong with you if you think that you have the right and the responsibility to go and push this onto kids but more and more people now 
are really starting to push back and it's starting to impact companies' profitability. And if anything, it's also starting to create new marketplaces for people to find companies through that transparency that they feel aligned with their values. A perfect example, I think the number three trending app in the app store was Public Square or publicsq.com, I believe, is, is where you can find them. And their whole model is connecting freedom-loving Americans with businesses that share their values. Yep. And I think now more and more, more, than, ever. more than ever, people, whether it's investing with somebody that you feel aligned with or not investing with somebody you feel misaligned with mm -hmm. or buying product or services from companies you feel aligned with or saying, I ain't buying your crap because I don't stand for that. I don't care how good your product is. Yep. I don't care how long you've been the king of the hill. Times are changing. And I think more and more companies are starting to learn the hard way and or learning from other companies' mistakes and failures along the way. I think they're also learning as money. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny, and I don't mean to be an asshole when I say this, but people on the right tend to be highly, more highly compensated, more highly educated, and um, they yeah, they it's vote. A, it's they, a fair statement. They spend their yeah, they spend their money, and they they that you can see it happening. They also looks like they tend to drink more. Um, yes, they do. So it's it's finally starting to get where politics should be. People should vote in politics with their dollar. Because it doesn't, emotion doesn't work. People on both sides aren't honest and they're not going to do most of the things they tell you they're going to do. So policy-wise, what, what does the best for your family, what does the best for your taxes, what does the best for your investment accounts, what does the best for your real estate, that's what you should be doing and voting for. Because honestly, that's all that really hits you and immediately affects you. And then the other stuff can be icing on the cake. Yep. So I'm glad to kind of see people doing that in the front end. I hope, hopefully it trickles down to the ballot boxes. Um, where people will finally start voting and saying, hey, I don't want to be in an economy that's you know, doing okay but is rife with inflation, where people are talking about taxing my unrealized capital gains, where people are talking about getting rid of 1031 exchanges, which affects transactions in the market. We don't want to be a part. We yeah. want to be a part of a free and open market. So some of the trends that we're seeing among younger generations is that they are starting to get a lot of their financial advice from social media platforms. Yeah, which is kind of... Which well, is, I, I don't which want is, to step on my which, own toes. Which is a good right? and a bad thing, right? Yeah, because we're, we're technically social media, right? But, but we, we're not at the same time. We talk about this too, though. It's like, you know, just like... It's all about who you are subscribing to. Oh, did I get a little... Get out. <laughs> uh, it's all about who you're su subscribing to, right? Yeah, who I, you're following and making sure that you're doing your due diligence on those individuals yeah, or yep. on those platforms or those groups. 34% yep. of Gen Z consumers seek and find their financial advice from TikTok per Veracast. That's so which bad. is wild, right? It's so bad. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying there's not good advice on those platforms, but like I just I mean 3 days ago I wouldn't fucking rip some shit on some guy on Instagram for like Saying that, you know, his thing was like, I'm convinced the stock market's a terrible place to invest. Before you invest in the stock market, you should buy five houses. 
do you know how much money it would take for you to get five houses or how much debt you would have to incur to service and how much harder it is to be a real estate investor than it is to go put money into an ETF or give it to a financial advisor and have them set up an account for you and charge you a small percentage. It's, it's unbelievably harder. And what you have is you have this big bucket of people that got into real estate during COVID that have no idea what they're talking about. This gentleman, if you're listening to the podcast, included. And they give absolute dog shit advice based on two years of experience. And the only experience they have is getting in at the bottom of a market in a zero interest rate environment, which is likely never going to exist again. So that your process and way of doing it is not going to work. Uh, easy question I'll have to all the gurus out there giving advice. If you're doing so well, why the fuck are you selling a course? So it's just like, you know, you have all these guys, even day traders and stuff. Oh, I'm a millionaire. I own this massive company, but I got to sell a course. That's a big red flag that, you know, you're probably not doing so hot. If you're constantly pushing the sale of a course, if you're con our information is free. I give the financial reviews and, and x-rays for free. I can quantify what I can do for somebody without having to charge them going into the front end. Because if your information ultimately is quality, it's going to show in the process of what you're doing. You don't need to charge for that. Um, so again, sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent. But yeah, the, um, most everybody I've seen, if not 99% of everybody I've seen on Instagram or social media, terrible advice. It's, it's all it is, is it's hyped up information to get you excited from an emotional trigger to have you make a decision. Um, I almost purposefully don't use TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or anything for like advertising for it because I honestly feel like it would muddy where I come from. I like to use the podcast because I feel like it gives me a platform for people to spend time listening to my opinion, can form an opinion over time listening to me. And understand who I am. I don't have some freaking camera in my, I mean, I do, but I don't use it. Um, I'm not making these cool. You do a good job on your stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with this stuff like you're doing. But you're not trying to get people to come and give you, you know, $150 a month to learn about something that they were, they pulled out of, you know, uh, what is that? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, it's just regurgitating information off of level one books and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's. Paying for a coach at a high level, there's paying for somebody's information that doesn't have a lot of time to give it, but can fast track you, you know, can give you a five-year head start. Um, ask Mike, you know, shout out to TJ. I asked the current advisor that I just hired. He'll tell you, holy crap, I'm like five years, six years ahead of the game because Ryan's training me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm compensated based on his work, so that's why it's worth it for me. But you have, you have to be careful on if somebody's spending all day posting videos on TikTok, how to do finances, how much do they really study finances? I don't have time to do that kind of stuff. It's a different world that we live yeah. in today, that's for sure. Yeah, and then the, where are they getting the information from? What are their credentials, to your point? How, what have they done? Yeah. Well, so, you and I have debated this before. I think there's some good coaches, influencers, communities oh, out yeah. there that are selling Very few. The, there are. I would say there's it's few and far between, but there's some good ones out there. there and are. there are also just the world of technology has changed the landscape of how information can be shared and or how it can be monetized. And there's a lot of good marketers out there that just play the marketing game, whether they're selling a course or they're selling you something on Amazon or they're selling yeah, I think a, the, a bag of 
you know, smoke and mirrors. Biggest it's scams. all about the marketing. Yeah, biggest scams on my side are like day trading and crypto. And I think the biggest scams on your side are like, uh, is it called skip tracing or whatever, where you can like, hey, buy this get, and I'll give you a list and they'll get data. Be, yeah, yeah, data, data and then um, skip tracers. What's the other one that's that's big on your side? Of the uh, it's not fix and flip, but it's like a, wholesaling. A, a wholesaling. Thank you. Thank you. Whole. You know, I'm gonna hold that kind of stuff. Like, definitely works. And lots of people are successful at doing it, but like everybody can't do it and be successful at it or else it muddies the market. So yeah. again, um, and there's somebody at the MLM at Herbalife is killing it. Oh, always. The, all the way at the top, but nobody at the bottom. Yep. So we'll get off that, but sorry, I'm so long on it. Consumer sentiment. After months of uncertain economic distress, Americans seem to be spending a little more now on non-essential purchases and feeling more confident with the economy as consumer sentiment rose 8% in June. Is this seasonal or is this more confidence in the market as a whole or is it both? Both, but definitely I would say more seasonal than, um, excuse me, more seasonal than, um, hey, you know, people are strapping back on and, and everything's going. Again, we'd see a lot more breadth in, in sharing on the equal weight towards the uh, market cap-weighted S&P. And we're still not uh, equal weights up about 3.5% year-to-date where the market cap-weighted S&P is up about 13 So, again, it just, it's starting, but this is the beginning of, when we get into the beginning of a bull market, it's choppy like the last six months have been. Then when the market starts to flip on its head, it takes a while. It doesn't just rocket ship up. It's not 2020. V-shaped recovery, the Nike check, that doesn't like really ever happen. That's why people were so dumbfounded when it did happen. But remember how many people said it wasn't going to happen and it couldn't happen and that it did happen. I'd liken that to the same bull market that we're in right now. We're definitely overbought on a lot of the technical indicators on the short end but on the long end the technical indicators are saying we're in a bull market the bond market is saying we're in a bull market consumers were saying we're in a bull market the housing uh market being as resilient as it is is saying we're in a bull market the consumer spending like you're saying is saying we're in a bull market the employment market i could go on and on and on and on there's really just not anything except analysts that have been wrong and continually been wrong and having to constantly revise their numbers up and up and up saying we're going to be not in a bull market. And so that's where we have to decide, are we going to be a part of the crowd or are we going to be a contrarian, which we've looked back on history and we see these, you know, these magnates that are super, super, super successful. And what's one of the easiest ones that everybody knows? Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. He's a famous contrarian. Mm -hmm. Well, if one person is saying this, I mean, the majority of people are saying this, I'm probably going to do opposite. It was hard for me to be a bear over the last few months you know but finding opportunity in those times is a part of being a bull and then riding through them it's just a market cycle 2008 is not going to happen again but something like that's going to happen again a bad housing market's going to happen again a really good housing market's going to happen again really lower interest rates are going to happen again you just have to be in it the whole time to take opportunity of all of it time in on my side is really important being in the market long term versus timing the market um a lot of people Bought houses in 2007, 2006, my parents included, 2004. Took them a while to get back above uh, where they purchased, right? 
but they're there and then some today. Yep. And it wasn't a bad purchase when they got it. I remember they bought their house in Vacaville for $600,000 and now it's worth well over a million. Took a while. Yeah. But time in and consistency and sticking with it showed itself and then some and now they have a half a million dollars of tax-free equity. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think so many people panic and let mainstream narratives and media dictate their emotions and their emotions ultimately dictate their actions. And when you're playing the investing game, that is, you know, rule number one, you don't break, which is making emotional decisions versus data-driven decisions. So much easier to make emotional decisions, which is why people do it. Well, especially when you think about the mainstream media and or let's just say overarching narratives. If everybody acted as a contrarian to those narratives, everybody would be winning. Or be doing a lot better than they are, right? Correct. Yeah. And I think that's where you really have to fall back on your disciplines, Mm -hmm. look at your plan, make sure that you're not letting emotions sway you one way or, or, or I guess too far outside of the path that you know you need to stay on for a long period of time. Yes. And I think personally, this is just my opinion on this. I think that's why millennials, Gen Z, a lot of younger generations are behind in the wealth building game is because they are one, either taking headline news at its word and they're not doing a lot of digging they're not doing a lot of skill building they're not doing a lot of due diligence on how those things impact them i think a lot of them are making emotional decisions yeah that is more based on merit or or i take that back is more based on their values versus it which is emotion right it's kind of like a lot of people didn't vote for Donald Trump because they don't like him, not because they don't like his policy. Yeah, not because he wasn't a good president. I think it's oftentimes a lot of the same stuff when it comes in a different context to younger generations is, for example, GameStop, you know, AME, right? Like a lot of people that had no idea what they were doing, but they got in because the emotional hype around it was very exciting. I think the opposite can be true as well. And so when I look at this statistic of the average net worth of Americans under age 35 being $76,000 compared to $436,000 for those aged 35 to 44, and this is per Federal Reserve, there's a little bit of a different mentality and mindset around discipline, diligence, consistency, and not riding too high or too low and just staying the course. Whereas I think technology and the way the world has worked and been presented to a lot of these younger generations, which is very quick, you know, instant gratification, instant gratification and, or the ability to just have this, you know, I can change course so quickly has given them kind of that, flexibility to pivot and not always sure. in their best, you know, in their best interest. And so I find it very interesting to see and also pay attention to how younger generations are thinking about building wealth, how they think about wealth in general as a whole and whether it's actually that important to them. 
We're seeing only 2.43% of Americans right now are currently delinquent with their credit card payments per the Fed. We are seeing that over a third of Americans reportedly had more credit card debt than savings. And yet we're still seeing what you said. Did we speak too soon? You're saying no. The bull market rally in U.S. stocks is not about to run out of steam like some believe it's going to. Mm -hmm. And we're not seeing any major distress amongst the consumer right now. If anything, we're seeing confidence rising. Yeah, I need to check the futures market, but I was watching, even though the market was down, even though the VIX, which is the volatility index, was up at the beginning of the day, I believe it ended negative again, which it's down into the low teens now, uh, 14, 13 area. When the market started kind of rebounding, we were in the mid-20s, um, sometimes spiking higher. So I just don't, I, again, a lot of people are stuck selling their bags. Um and that's really what I believe is happening. That's why you are seeing people push so hard for why well, I don't think and I don't think this and I don't think this. Well, it's hard because those people are so stuck in their ways. They've been doing this for 20 or 30 years. They're doing it how they've done it for the past 20 or 30 years and it's not applicable to today. So that um, history is important because it's it's good to know the past so we understand how to maybe look forward to the future. But when you've had this brand new type of market cycle come through this rolling recession with really sticky inflation coming on the back end to end it um that's not happened before so you have to take a new approach to it and even though it yeah it's highly unlikely that we'll have it's statistically highly unlikely that we'll have a soft landing that's still probably the most highly probable outcome right now we're no landing who cares market's going to just ignore it it's only done that one other time ever back in i believe the 20s or the 40s but something is going to be different because this time was the inputs were completely different this time. So I'm just being the best guesser in the room when I make these predictions. Again, I don't have like a set of data that's proprietary that I'm pulling from. I'm just making a best guess based on, well, yeah, but since there's a chance that this good can happen, since there's still a light at the end of the tunnel, I think people are just going to search for that light. And it goes back to what happened in 2020 with COVID and how Mm -hmm. people, consumers are thinking and not wanting to not be able to spend their money. And it goes all the way through all that to now. I just don't see it and I don't see people not working and I don't see GDP being negative. Um, then I, if they're not going to call the last 15 months uh, a recession, then we're not going to have a recession or anything moving forward. So the, the thing that I'm stuck with now is the rate cut thing that we were talking. I, I think they should cut and it looks like to me that they still will. But that, that joke I made about, oh, well, if they don't cut, they'll have to hold and they'll have to hold for a while. That's looking like it has more possibility now than than ever it ever did. So that's the number two possibility, I think, right? Yeah, the Fed paused, obviously, at the last meeting. Yep. But they did hint at potentially two more 25 basis point hikes. They also hinted at holding longer than most people, I think, expected them to. We still have some stickiness to inflation right now. It's coming down. It's it's yeah. going in the right direction, but it's nowhere close to where they want it to be. Yep. And obviously there's this, you know, concern around banking issues. Mm-hmm. And recently this week, um, Supervisor, uh, Supervisor Michael Barr, which I believe is of, which Fed is he a part of? 
He basically said, though, they're starting to do reverse stress testing on banks. He is the reserve vice chair of supervision. He said Tuesday, the Fed is exploring reverse stress testing that could be used as a tool to make banks more resilient. This comes as the central bank examines ways to reform bank culture in the aftermath of Silicon Valley Bank failure in March. Barr noted Tuesday that regulators who were caught off guard by the speed, which you talked about this, and obviously technology playing a role in this, the speed with which Silicon Valley Bank lost 85% of its deposits, an event that went down in just two days, majority of that within hours, compared to prior runs on banks that lasted 10 days or more. The Federal Reserve continues to explore new tools that may help the central bank better understand why several banks failed this spring and how to prevent the next wave of failures from shaking in the financial system, which goes back to kind of what you've been talking about for quite some time. There's a lot of old school, outdated, archaic approaches, policies, you know, platforms in the financial world as a whole that are long in the tooth that need to get retooled. And this kind of seems to be one that was big enough to get them to really go back to the drawing board and think about how they may want to dig in and potentially prevent some of these going on in the future. Yeah, and this is where I see blockchain technology becoming more of something that is accepted. And I think that gets back to your point that you were talking about earlier about the central banks creating a central bank digital currency so that they can transfer assets. And I think that's ultimately what they'll they'll get to the point where they can release their own, they'll adopt it, and then they'll essentially make it so you have to use theirs and the other ones won't be very good and they'll adopt some good stuff in the technology and make some of it their own and they'll keep pushing um they being the fed so um do you have any concerns around that the i don't i don't this digital banking system it and takes if away and when we shut off one and transition over to another and the potential issues that could arise i've, I've seen a lot of kind of you know <laughs> conspiracy theory-ish people talk about if and when that happens, how chaotic it could be, what it could potentially turn into. I've seen a lot of very reasonable, level-headed people talk about how and why this makes sense and how it's a natural progression of our currency and banking system. I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. Um, I think that it's going to be a longer transition than anybody wants. Um, but I, I, and it takes away from privacy, obviously, when something's on a digital ledger versus like cash or what have you. Right. So it's going to hurt a lot and help a lot. And it's just going to be new. It's so different. It's not really going, it's like a whole different system. So it's not going to be an improvement. It's just going to be something new. Right. Um, and it comes with its own set of new issues that we don't currently have. And it also fixes some issues that we don't currently have. It should make things cheaper transactionally, right? Yeah, for sure. Cheaper, um, faster. I think my biggest thing is I just don't like something so critical and imperative to to daily function and life and the economy and the world as a whole being be a lot more so much weighted. Yeah into the government's control and hands like less government is my my thing and and this just seems like a massive uh relinquishment of autonomy and privacy and certain things to the government which i just truly don't trust completely agree and and that's 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 my biggest concern on on that me and you're on the same page i don't 
I think everything about it's great. Yeah. In a perfect world, like where the government. Yeah, if it was honest and they had everybody's best interest in mind. Right. And, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where I, where I, it's do, does the puppet trust the puppet master to keep him moving forever? Obviously not. Yeah. There's strings and the strings pull and move and, and, you know, the fear is if you push it down the conspiracy side, oh, well, you know, we'll get a social score and they'll shut off access to certain things if I don't do something. I don't see that happening in America. I see that happening in China and places like that that have a lot more public acceptance of that kind of stuff. I don't think anybody on either side would accept that. Americans, at the end of the day, even if... It'd lead to a civil war before it got to that point. And I don't even think it'd be civil. I think it would literally be the citizens versus the government. Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't think anybody le left or right wants to be told what to do, which is why we have a left and a right. Yeah. Um, so I think at that point, that would divide, that would push the division together too much. So I don't think we'll ever get to that point. But what I do see happening is they're going to be able to tax a lot more things. They can come up with ways. They can, they can see all the transactions now. So when you have that purview, you can say, okay, well, we didn't know people were spending money in this way, so now we can raise taxes in that area and generate more revenue. Oh, we didn't know people were doing something like this or this specific area and this specific state. And then states can say, okay, well, we weren't taxing this, but now we can see the loss of revenue. We want to tax this more. So kind of the less you know, the the better with the government and your finances to, to the being within the realm of legality. But that's the negative of where I see it going. It's Big Brother knows too much. Um, Big yeah. Brother wasn't supposed to tax our income, and now they tax our income and nobody cares. So that's where I'm, I'm nervous. The other side of it, though, is I think it would improve a lot of stuff and it would get rid of the need for, like, title companies i mean really title companies should be terrified of blockchain um nfts things like that it would get it would get rid of the need for a middleman like StubHub or whatever so mm -hmm. there's no inflated prices they can just go direct to consumer right into a, a concert or a venue um so those are the things i see it improving it's just always going to come with a caveat of it's not going to be perfect and it's going to come with its own set of issues yeah innovation is always a double-edged sword with pros and cons. Yeah, agreed. And you just want to try and mitigate as many of the cons as possible while capturing and riding as much of the upside on those pros as you possibly can. Yep. Speaking of getting into new spaces and transitioning over to crypto a little bit, mm -hmm. BlackRock, one of our favorite hedge funds and controlling powers of the world filed for a spot Bitcoin ETF this week after many continuous years of beating up on Bitcoin. They've now got a very large stake in Bitcoin and now have filed for their first Bitcoin ETF. Thoughts on that? And does this foreshadow anything about the future of bitcoin with a player of this size and magnitude getting involved at the level they are i think that the thing that i you know i i'm not surprised that they're going to do it it's trend there's less regulation on transactional fees and lockups and thing, things like that so they have a lot more control over an asset like that that's highly speculative uh 
so I'm not surprised. Um, I still don't think that they're getting into crypto like they're getting into real estate or they're getting into other investments in their regular stuff like their ETF iShares or their mutual funds or their institutional money market funds or what have you. Um, but I think they're dipping their toe because, it, it, you know, Fidelity has, Vanguard has, they're the biggest institutional investment uh, manager in the world. So I think they're just kind of saying, hey, we're going to join this party a little bit too. And kind of like what I do, I invest some into crypto, but very little. And it's so that I can speak from an area of understanding, but I also am not saying going gung-ho on this and I fully believe in it like other proven uh, things. Crypto still has a long way to go before it's proven and what it's going to do and how it's going to do it. Um, so I'm excited for it. I think that'd be really good. Um, it'd be much easier to trade that than like Grayscale. I think the fees would be cheaper than it as well because uh, they're much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, but time will tell I'll be excited to see the product I will be able to see it very soon because we have a contract with BlackRock are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year if so you're going to love what I've got in store for you I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind which will include myself and 25 other hand selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. There we go. So yeah. you will hear some insights from Mr. Breedwell and his camp as those roll out this week. Real estate updates for you. Altos reports that active single family inventory was up again 1.8% week over week as it was from the previous week up 1.5%. And we are definitely seeing housing values hold pretty yeah. sturdy. Yep. Morgan Stanley housing analysts no longer think home prices will decline this year. They estimated their prior base case of a 4% decline in values. I think I was like in the 7, 8% camp. You were in the 10 plus camp. I said 13, yeah. 13. Um, Got to be wrong and, sometimes to be And, you right. know, with what we've seen this year, you know, obviously demand has been curbed with, mortgage rates being where they're at, what the Fed's been doing. We also have almost 92% of homeowners with a mortgage have a rate below 6%. That's 
That's a, according to a report just released from Redfin. That's more than a full percentage point below the peak reached in the middle of last year, but it is still historically high. And a major reason why the housing market is at a virtual standstill is because we have this little inventory for people to go after and purchase. Therefore, more demand than less supply is keeping home values relatively stable. And it just makes me think about a lot of the people that I've been talking with since like 2018, 2019, 2020. I'm going to wait for the market to cool off. We know 2019. I'm going to wait for the market to cool off. 2020. Oh my gosh, this market is going insane. It's for sure going to crash at some point. 2021. I'm going to wait for the market to crash. 2022. I'm going to wait for the market to crash. 2023. I'm going to wait for the market to crash. I'm here to tell you guys, it is not going to crash. It's not going to crash. Compass CEO Rob Reifkin appeared on Bloomberg Market this week and compared the ultra-low mortgage rates of the early pandemic to handcuffs, essentially locking inventory away. And what I believe is the because of that is the result of builder confidence being higher, continuing to creep up as Look it at housing starts today. So let's just give you guys a little data those on permits don't come out with their those are those are a precursor to the homes being built correct? those have to come out and they're not like oh hey we think we're going to buy those are purchased permits on land that they are developing correct which means they're going to buy commodities which again mm-hmm. housing starts increase sharply to 1.63 million the annual 1.4 expected right so this is a 21.7 percent Above the revised April estimate of 1.34, and it's 5.7% above the May 2022 rate of 1.53. Builder confidence increased in June as well. As a result of this, the National Association of Home Builders reported the housing market index was at 55, which is up from 50 last month. Any number above 50 indicates that more builders view sales conditions as good versus poor. And solid demand, a lack of existing inventory, and with the improvement of supply chain issues and the efficiencies have really began to help shift builder confidence into positive territory. And this is the first time it's been in positive territory north of 50 in over 11 months. Yeah, it was so, like 50.4, which I think they don't... It, it was just this stagnant, yeah. stale, there was still all of these weird, you know, lagging data reports, a lot of different things. Above 50, yep. which is which is a healthy head, in, head above water. And with the Federal Reserve nearing the end of its tightening cycle, this is good news for future market conditions in terms of mortgage rates and the cost of financing for builder and developer loans. That's been a big challenge for a lot of builders is they're not all just sitting flush with cash and you know pulling dry powder out of the safe to go and build these houses. They're levering up construction loans and debt to go out and to create and build these homes. And with the market the way it's been the last nine months, hence this 11-month bear season of confidence around the you know Builders Association, now with this last month of what the Fed did, and some of the data that's coming in on inflation and with, you know, we got, I think lumber just got reported 25% down year over year. Mm. We're starting to see other key, you know, building components, labor starting to soften up a little bit. 
I'm starting to get calls from contractors and vendors that I haven't heard from in a very long time asking what I might have in my pipeline if they can bid it out. So I think we're starting to see some easing in this area, which again is going to be a good thing yeah. for getting more supply to the market. Yep. And I think what we're going to see, I was probably very wrong when it came to the prediction on what the pricing uh, single family residents would do. But I do think you'll see a shift in demand to new builds because that's oh, what's going to get 100%. Yeah, it's going to but it'll be in for the short term, but that's where that's where the market's going to be and so man, if you're a realtor, I would start getting your relationships up with these builders cuz that's where you're going to be selling homes and builds. Yep. Um well, here's some some data from from builders. 25% of builders reduced home prices to bolster sales in June. The share was 27% in May, 30% in April. It has declined steadily since peaking at 36% in November of 2022. Mm. So builders were just kind of doing whatever they could to get inventory off their books, to get people off the fence into their homes, even though it was obviously a little bit more challenging with the cost of debt, what was going on with the Fed at that time, still low inventory. The average price reduction was 7% in June, below the 8% rate in December of 2022, and 56% of builders offered incentives to buyers in June slightly more than in May but fewer than in December of 2022. So I think this might be the bottom of builders having to do what they've been doing to get people into their homes. And I think as we start to see more inventory roll out, obviously we got a lot of, we have record housing starts and we most likely will see rates start to cool off a little bit at least get a little bit more stabilized, I think that's going to fare well for home builders and real Great. estate values as a whole. So if you're waiting on the sideline trying to time the market, don't get me wrong. I think when you're looking at a macro picture of you know the economic cycles in real estate specifically, there are certain products, there are certain asset classes, there are certain times in the economic cycle and the data will support this that you might be able to, you know, time strategically a season or a window of getting into some opportunistic purchases. But that being said, perfect example is all the people that were trying to time the market over the last four, five years. Those people wait on the sidelines. I had a buddy that wanted to buy in 2019. If he would have, I looked this up because he bought this year at twice, the two value, times. Yeah the interest rate and the house in 2019 that he wanted was 380,000 and it he ended up buying a very similar style house for 680,000 in 2023. So again, Can't going wait. back to timing the real estate market whether you're an investor, whether you're a homeowner, I it's 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 bad bad news. That being said, I think the numbers drive the decisions and your timeline can support whether or not it makes sense to enter at that point in time. That being said, we're going to keep tracking a lot of this data and, of course, getting you guys reports, keeping you up to date on what we're seeing in the news, talking some shit about mm. what's going on mm. in the world, and, of course, getting all of the insights from Mr. Breedwell and his amazing team on what's going on in the stock market and how your decisions around your money in the market can help you continue to unlock more financial freedom and of course 
if you are investing in real estate, keeping you abreast of all the data that we're seeing roll out so that way you can go out and make the most informed decisions to unlock more of the financial freedom goals that you're looking to achieve. Don't forget to text in the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. For all my credit investors, text that word DEALS to the same phone number, 844-447-1555. And of course, be sure to check out everything we got available for you guys at millionermindcast.com. That being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.